Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal of the Continuing Church of God. I want to talk about utopia. Are we going to get a human utopia? Or a divine utopia? Or is this all crazy? None of this is going to happen. Right now, we see a world that's in chaos. Uh, one of the reasons is uh, because of COVID matters. But even before COVID, chaos, wars, all kinds of problems around. But the time's going to come when the world's going to actually erupt into peace. Today we've got threat of human extinction. But in the future, utopia is going to grip the earth. A lot of people don't want to believe that advanced news, but this book talks about it. Where are you going to be 10 years from now? Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea what this world might be like? Possibly in the next 10 years, and if not the next, the 10 within that. Most people find this incredible, the whole idea. But the reality is, yes, utopia can come to this planet. Now, there's basically uh, two views held by world leaders. They're, they're widely held. And uh, one is that humanity is about to destroy itself because of climate change, biological things, warfare, weapons of mass destruction, and the other, that kind of thing. And the other view is that humanity is going to get together, have somewhat of a tolerant, they call it, one world religion, which won't really won't want to tolerate the real religion, the true Bible religion. And they've got something that they call the Great Reset that they say is going to bring this about. I want to read something uh, that The Hill reported back in December uh, 2020. They had an interview about the Great Reset hosted by the World Economic Forum in mid-November. They had former uh, Secretary of State uh, John Kerry. He firmly declared that the Biden administration will support the Great Reset. The Great Reset will happen at greater speed and with greater intensity than people would imagine. When asked by uh, the panel host by the name of uh, Borja Brendi whether the World Economic Forum and other Reset supporters are expecting too much too soon, from the new president, or is he going to deliver on these topics? Kerry responded, the answer to your question is no, you're not expecting too much. And yes, it, meaning the Great Reset, will happen. And I think it will happen at greater speed and greater intensity than a lot of people imagine. In effect, the citizens of the United States have just done a Great Reset. We've done a Great Reset. There's a record level of voting. Kerry later argued that the Great Reset is necessary to slow down the climate crisis and that I know Joe Biden believes it's not enough to rejoin the Paris Climate Accords for the United States. It's, it's not enough for us just to do the minimum what Paris requires. Kerry also said because of the Great Reset movement, he believes we're at the dawn of an extremely exciting time and a great opportunity we have to address social and economic problems is to first by deal with the climate crisis. So that was uh, from John Kerry. Now, I went to the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Company, the CBC, see if they have anything about this. Is this just an American thing or a European thing? Well, this is from Canada. This is from their Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. The pandemic has provided us an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate the pre-pandemic efforts. Pre-pandemic efforts, so they had a plan before COVID. 
Okay, this is a quote. Okay, this is from, this is from the CBC. This is not from some alternative website. Right? To reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Somebody named Polivir linked Trudeau's comments to a call for the Great Reset made in June by Klaus Schwab, the executive director of the World Economic Forum. Now let's go back a few years. We're going to go back about five years. Pope Francis said, with mind and heart, with hope and without vain nostalgia, like a son who rediscovers in Mother Europe his roots of life and faith, I dream of a new European humanism, one that involves a constant work of humanization and calls for memory, courage, and a sound and humane utopian vision. Pope Francis was not calling for the kingdom of God. By the way, this book that we have is called The Gospel of the Kingdom of God, and I have some things about the UN's objectives, etc. This, this book is available at the ccog.org website. That's ccog.org. Before I go any further, let me just say at that, this particular booklet at that website, if instead of going to the literature section, just go further down the page, you'll see a hundred and some languages where you can click on, where this booklet has been translated into those languages, so people throughout the world could have an idea, a real idea, of how a utopia is going to be implemented and why what the world is going to do is not going to work. So Pope Francis called for a European utopia based on humanism. Now today, as I'm doing this, this, is in the spring of 2021, saw this headline about Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State. And here's, here's the headline. Kissinger warns Washington, accept new global system or face a pre-World War I geopolitical situation. So Henry Kissinger's telling the United States, you've got to change. You've got to go for basically one world, new world order. Uh, or uh, world wars at your uh, force, uh, you're at the beginning of world war two, another world war. Now today's world looks at science as its modern messiah. They think it's going to deliver people from poverty, ignorance, disease, unhappiness, it's going to solve all kinds of problems, and of course things like COVID or whatever. And uh, they think that will help them come up with some type of a reset. Well, throughout history, particularly in the last 40 or 50 years, science and technology teamed with commerce and industry promised people, you know, magic, push-button, dream world, luxury, leisure, etc. But modern science does not have any purpose for anything. They, they can't explain its, uh, its meaning. Science is ignorant of true values. It'd be nice if it was focused completely on facts, but often in, in the 21st century particularly, it's got the political agendas. It's not that they didn't have political agendas on science in, in, in the past, but now we're getting more and more uh, these days. Again, science is just ignorant of true values. Why? Because it won't believe what this book, book says. Uh, 
skip my notes for just a moment here. Uh, we've got a booklet, and I didn't bring it with me, so I'm not going to hold it up, called Is God's Existence Logical? In the back cover of that book, I have a quotation from Dr. George Wald, who was a Nobel Prize winner, uh, some Harvard uh, medical doctor, professor, whatever. And basically he says there's only two possibilities. Either spontaneous generation things just evolved and popped up, or supernatural creation. He said there was no other alternative. And he says you only have to look at the complexity of life to realize that spontaneous generation of life is impossible. So you'd think he'd therefore believe this book, right? But he says, instead, I've chosen to believe spontaneous generation. Now, scientists are supposed to accept facts. And the fact is, there's no possible way uh, life just popped up. And they should pay attention to this book. They don't want to pay attention to this book. Do you know why? Because if they paid attention to this book, recognize this book, they might actually have to do what it says. You say, yeah, but people have always said they should do with this, uh, look at this book, and they weren't always doing it. That's true. But in places like the United States, when there was more respect for this book, there was also more respect for limiting government involvement in things. We had something called a constitution that they used to pay more attention to. They don't as much anymore. Now, I'm not saying the U.S. Constitution is utopia either, but at least it allowed for religious freedoms that we're in the process losing. This great reset they're talking about does not want to make way for religions that are truly based on this book. If you take a realistic look at what the scientists want to do, it's, it's disillusionment. You have people with all this COVID stuff saying that anybody who doesn't go along with uh, whatever uh, Dr. Fauci's department says this week, it doesn't matter what he said a few months ago, whatever he says this week, if you don't go along with this, you're some type of conspiracy theorist, you don't believe in science, and that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, my wife and I and our youngest child were walking around in the neighborhood uh, a couple weeks ago, and there were some signs on people's houses, in front of houses, said all kinds of political stuff, but one of them is that science is real. And science is real, but that's not what they meant. They mean you have to basically believe whatever people like Dr. Fauci said. And what gets me about this is in January, the Associated, well, in January, a big study came out saying that if you didn't want to die from COVID or you would do better with COVID with vitamin D. The Associated Press, which is a big place that covers major things, didn't cover it. Matter of fact, I did a search at their website on vitamin D and COVID. All I found for the past year was one person who mentioned the word vitamin D, but we don't really, didn't say anything about it. Okay, I, I could not find anything of anything telling people should try that. I mentioned that because some people for some reason think that modern science has all the answers and, and the modern media tells you the full truth. And sadly, they've got an agenda and they're not going through and telling you everything, but their agenda is to try to bring about their version of human utopia which, by the way, involves a whole lot less people on the planet uh, than that we currently have. So what do we see based on science these days? We've seen kind of a change. We've seen a change of people not willing to do hard work so much anymore. And we've got uh, what we'll call the screen generation. Now, yes, I'm on computers a lot. 
and I'm generally working on them, uh, researching and writing and that kind of stuff. So there's a place for them. And yes, there's a place for even things like video games. I haven't played any in a long, long time, but no, there's, there's a place as, as well. But we are becoming more of a screen generation where people don't seem to be able to think. They've got to be connected. Uh, and it's, it's not bringing them happiness. Matter of fact, some studies have been done more or less suggest the longer, more time you spend in front of it, the less happy you become. Yet people are more and more becoming and doing that. Now, we've had some great and amazing things come from modern technology. Uh, for example, uh, telephones. And now we've got the ones you can carry in your pocket. You can watch movies and stuff on them, movies themselves, radio, television, uh, internet. Uh, on a plane now, you can uh, download stuff, uh, a little like little movies, on a, and you can watch them on a, a cell phone. I mean, I mean, I, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of great applications on the internet. Um, as a researcher, what I used to have to do was be shut in my office for half a day to drive up to a university, hopefully find a place to park, which was very difficult to do. So a couple times I actually had to go to like the fourth floor where the research library was, come down every half hour, an hour, put coins in the meter, go back up and down to find, let's see, hold out a piece of paper here. I'll fold it about like this to find me about this about this much information. Okay, now I push a couple of buttons. Now we, I know where to look, and I can find all kinds of information on this guy. So I wrote this uh, uh, in a, in a pretty short period of time. So yeah, it is fantastic, but it's not delivering what people thought it was going to deliver. We keep hearing more and more complaints about inequality, etc. So it certainly didn't do that. Uh, although in general, in general. Well, the world is much wealthier than it was before, and even many who are considered poor would have been considered at least average a few hundred years ago. And don't even get me started on the United States. Okay? Almost every poor person in the United States is wealthier than almost any king that ever lived in the old days. You say, what do you mean? Almost all the poor that I know of in this country have cell phones and have access to either, either buses or some other type of transportation have roofs and heat and cooling, which is, and, and, and clothing, by the way, which was way better than they used, they used to have. Now, I'm not saying there's still not problems with poverty. I don't want to, want to say that, but sometimes I think uh, people get the wrong impression uh, because in the old days, uh, they were not doing uh, a whole lot better with some of these things. But what about civilization? What do you got? Uh, governments, you got religious leaders like the World Council of Churches, the Vatican, you got the United Nations, you got various private groups like the World Economic Forum, the people who are behind uh, the Great Reset, and they seem to think that some type of ecumenical interfaith religion that accepts almost all cultural differences uh, is the way that's going to solve religious strife and, warf and stop warfare and bring peace. The belief seems to be that since people disagree on the truth, there is no truth, so you might as well get along. Now, as far as trying to get along, that's scriptural. That, that's fine. We, we think that's great. We want to get along. But to try to act like all religions are the same, they're not. Even the religions that are not the true one, there are differences between them, and some of those differences make a major difference on society, such as sacrificing babies, for example, which I realize that uh, 
Probably no significant religion in terms of uh, devotees right now does that, but there's still some of that uh, associated with, uh, I, I won't mention it because I don't want to pick on certain religions, but there's a couple of religions that they still do this. Now, the other solution, that's one of the solutions that they think will solve problems, according to uh, religious leaders, the government, the United Nations, etc., in private groups, is uh, so-called uh, gender equality and something they call gender fluidity, and uh, as well as what they call reproductive freedom. Now, they try to use these words, and they sound like, maybe they sound okay sometimes, although gender fluidity, what is, could that be? Your gender's not fluid, by the way. Um, I'll just talk about that, and I'll get back to this other. Uh, if you try to change your gender through, let's say, uh, surgery and through hormones, turns out every cell of your body still is the original gender that you were. Or sex, whatever term you prefer. And I know some, some of them split one to mean one to the other, and some of them say it's all the same. And the reality is you can't change it. You can change your appearance, that's true. And you can mess up your head with different hormones that your body doesn't want. That's true as well. But uh, the idea of fluidity is just simply, simply not there. Anyway, when you see, hear things like reproductive freedom, what does that mean? Well, sadly, what that means is killing unborn babies. That's abortion. Okay, but that's promising the, some of the freedom that they promise. And I read this in a recent sermon, but I want uh, or sermonette recently. But this is uh, CNN's uh, Devin Cole wrote. It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. Now, this was in CNN. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And well, for thousands of years, there's been a consensus. Matter of fact, as soon as they started having birth certificates, they used to put, they put it on. Now, nowadays, they're starting to wobble on that, but no, there was always a consensus. So it's really bizarre where some are heading along this line. But they think by pushing this gender fluidity stuff and abortion and this interface stuff, this is gonna to contribute to peace. But I want to go to Isaiah, Isaiah 59, start verse 7. God warns, Isaiah 59, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Let's talk about that reproductive freedom stuff. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their past. The way of peace they have not known. Why? Because they don't want to do what this book says. They don't want to believe what this book says. There is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Now they tell us they're going to give us peace. And many, of course, seem to think they, the government should take from those who have and give, it to, uh, give more to those with less. And they try to use nice-sounding words when they do this, but basically they were wanting to steal, put in some type of socialist or communist world order, and feel that they'll get greater backing by the masses if they do this kind of thing. Anyway, these actions are not going to bring lasting peace, but will end in destruction according to such passages as, you don't have to go there right now, but Romans 1, 18 to 32, 
reviewed seven. And if someone suggests stupendous worldwide consequences or calamities from what they're going to do, we're called conspiracy theorists. Anyway, the old worldwide church of God brought out the fact that, look, there's, there's pretty well two alternatives. There's either a real God or there's not. And if, uh, that's really the only choices. There is or there isn't. And what we're doing right now is going to lead, lead to destruction in this world. Then people say, ah, oh, nah, the world is all, people always say the world is going to end. All these people who said the world was going to end were wrong. And that's true. They were wrong. They say it's never going to happen. That's where they're wrong. Now people just want to know it, they don't want to see it, they don't think things are going to change, but they will. Uh, there's a term for that, by the way, that I've heard. It's called normalcy bias. People think things always keep going on where they are. And normalcy bias is okay when things are really going to stay normal, but when they're not, then it can be uh, deadly. Now I want to go to the book of Daniel. I'm, I'm going to read uh, one verse in Daniel 2, uh, verse 44. Daniel was told to write about something associated with the kingdom of God. But recall I held up our book with the Gospel of the Kingdom of God. Daniel uh, uh, 2, verse 44, uh, from the New King James Version. And in the day of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Perhaps I should have mentioned that the kingdom that is talking about destroying will be one that Europeans will put in just prior to the time Jesus returns. Because people will think that's going to be the answer. It will be, they will believe in a European utopia, similar to what Pope Francis was pushing for before. If you're in Daniel, you could go forward a few pages to Daniel 7, verse 18. It says, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. But what's it going to be like? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11 and read a, a detailed description. Isaiah 11, starting with verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go out of his, grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteous judgment he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Now this is a reference to Jesus. Continuing, verse 5, Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. You can see that. That's actually on the front cover of our booklet. That's what it says. Some people use other animals. It's the one we use. This is what this passage says here. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, 
the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Now, yesterday, my family and I happened to go to a uh, park with big wild cats. And one of my sons noticed that one of the wild cats seemed interested in perhaps consuming our youngest child. Okay? We had this happen one other time. We were in, actually in New Zealand, uh, just before the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, we went to this uh, basically a lion park, I guess it was just all lions. And uh, they absolutely positively were tracking our youngest child. Uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's got some disabilities and they go for the easiest target. But it was, it was, it was really obvious. So, but you see in scripture it says that a little child's gonna lead them. Now, if our son was there and it was a smaller kid, yeah, they go to the smaller kid first, okay? But notice there, God says, no, the young one, the, the one most likely to get eaten by the lion is gonna lead them, okay? It's a time of peace. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young ones shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were at a different place. It was more of a farm kind of slash petting zoo. And one of my sons was uh, feeding uh, it was hay uh, to, a, to a cow. <laughs> and that was peaceful enough. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, for example, young women, old women, all women, all people, anyway, will be able to walk around safely. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Now, I want to go back just a chapter or two Chapter 9 of Isaiah. I'm just going to read verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. What government? The government of God in the kingdom of God. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, the book of Isaiah makes it clear that there will be physical rain on this earth. Jesus will be in charge. People will not be able to hurt other people. This will be utopia. Now, related to passages in Isaiah 11, the late Dr. Herman Hay, who was an evangelist in the old uh, Radio Worldwide Church of God, who says regarding those passages in Isaiah 11, this can't be heaven because uh, there are no wicked beings in heaven. Children aren't being suckled or weaned in heaven. It can't be a new earth because there'll be no wicked people there in uh, Revelation 21, 1 through 4. He says these events must be happening during the millennium. It, 
Who's going to tame the wild carnivorous animals to eat straw like an ox for 4,000 years? This prophecy is for the millennium. Isaiah 35 contains other descriptions of the reign of, uh, of Christ and his saints for the thousand years. This is what the millennium is going to be like. It's going to be a wonderful world. Each of us can have our part in making the glorious age to come possible. That's the, this is the message of the gospel which Christ preached, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And actually, during the millennium, all real Christians, all who were uh, called, chosen, and faithful, will have been resurrected and will be teaching people. So if you're a true Christian and you're resurrected, that is something you will be doing. Now, there will be justice. Now, I want to go to Isaiah 28. You might want to go to Isaiah because I'm going to go through several different sections of Isaiah. Isaiah 28, starting verse 16. And yes, I like to read lots of scriptures because this way, you can't say we make this stuff up. We're telling you what the Word of God says. Isaiah 28, starting in verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also, I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding places. More lies are coming. The Bible warns that deceivers will wax worse and worse in the end times, deceiving and being deceived themselves. Look, it's great if people will try to cooperate, but sadly, lies are going to be used more and more to try to make this happen. Now let's go to Isaiah 32, this time also starting verse 16. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness. Justice? We don't tend to get justice in this age the, the way we would like to get it. And righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace. Notice the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, in quiet resting places. In this age, by the way, you can't really have secure dwellings. Oh, you can think you have. Perhaps you're some multi-billionaire and you have some big fortress underneath the ground hidden someplace. But even that isn't secure. If someone finds out about it, they use some kind of weapon and blow it all up. Okay? Now, it's relatively secure. Being in your house or apartment with the door locked is relatively secure. It's not totally secure. But real security will happen. Now, let's go to Isaiah 42. I'm going to start reading verse 3. Starts off talking about Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Truth and justice. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. It is coming. And the coastlands shall wait for his law. It's going to come because people will obey God's law. They'll learn about it and they will obey it. Now let's go to chapter 51 of Isaiah. 
start in verse 4. Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light for the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. That's the second time they've mentioned coastlands uh, in these passages. This is referring to peoples who basically haven't even accepted nominal Christianity. God has a plan for everyone. Now five times in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures and once in the New Testament they, I found a connection between justice and God's law when I just did a, a search. Now as it turns out the original disciples, the original apostles are going to have a role. Go to Luke 22 in this kingdom. Luke 22, we'll pick this up with uh, verse 24. Now, there was a dispute among them, that's the disciples, so which of them should be considered the greatest? <laughs> and he said to them, the kings of Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. And that's what we hear now, the politicians call themselves public servants, and then uh, the government employees call themselves public servants. And, you know, I actually did talk to one on the phone a couple of weeks ago. I was really impressed because I, he, he acted like a public servant, okay? So what I'm going to say next is not bad about all of them because I've run into some really good ones that I just did uh, about two weeks ago. But many of them, it is not that way. Simply not that way. They're in it for themselves. They might pretend otherwise. But anyway, anyway verse 26. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, the one who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. That's what Jesus is saying. He's continuing verse 28. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So we see there are 12 uh, apostles and that that's what their role is for each of those tribes. Now others are going to have other roles, by the way. Uh, for example, uh, David. And uh, interestingly, doing some church history, I found Church of God literature saying, yes, David's got... Of role in a future kingdom. And we talked about that a little bit also in this booklet that I've held up before. Now the world's going to be a better place. Now we've gotten out of Isaiah, but I want to go back now. Isaiah 35. Starting in verse 1. Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. 
the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the eternal Yahweh, the excellency of our God, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fear, heart, fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Things are not going to be how they are now. They were having some protests in our area uh, last year. And we, uh, one of my employees decided to call the local police department and ask if they would protect the building. And they basically said, uh, no, they were not capable. They didn't have enough people. Okay. Turns out we didn't end up having a problem. I think we shouldn't have to worry about that, but we, we weren't worried, but we did take some steps. We got pulled our computers out. We took a few precautions. We didn't want to be foolish. We ended up not having a, having a problem. So you cannot always count on the authorities to protect you in this age, but you will in God's coming kingdom. Anyway, verse 5, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, deaf shall be unstopped. And the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the, of the dumb shall sing. Let me just stop here. That's not just talking about the physically blind, the physically deaf, physically dumb, physically lame. It includes them. But people will hear and understand the word of God. They will see, and we will help them in the kingdom of God, help them understand what it means. Getting back to the physical side to a degree, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness, but the water will also be living waters, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and a thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. Nor, no lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Now, it wasn't just Isaiah. I've been talking about Isaiah a lot. I want to go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 34. i pick this up in verse 21. Ezekiel wrote about uh, what's coming after the world had been shamed by uh, uh, the Gentiles. Verse 21 of Ezekiel uh, 34. Because you pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock. So this is somewhat of a reference to the beast power and the other totalitarian powers around at the end. And they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them and shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse 25. I will make a covenant of peace with them, 
which causes wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will cause showers to come down in their season, and there shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their earth, for fruit, excuse me, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of the yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who have enslaved them. So you're finally going to know. They will see, they will hear, they will listen. And they will speak of it. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor the, for the beasts of the land devour them, and they shall dwell safely. The beasts of the land also talking about not just wild beasts, but infectious diseases, etc. And they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles anymore. Now, the late Dr. Herman Hay also wrote, now, he didn't write that, of course. He said, since the dawn of civilization, humans have long lived in a world where their physical desires could be fulfilled. But even though humans have longed for such a place in their heart, it should be obvious that utopia is not going to be found in this age. Our Creator intended utopia beyond the dreams of human beings, and He will establish it in the coming kingdom of God. Then Dr. He asks, why should utopia be impossible? Why shouldn't we have a world at peace, filled with joy, prosperity, racial harmony, and genuine love? He said, well, God's allowed 6,000 year period for humankind to rule apart from God, the way humans want to rule. During this time, God has, in a sense, said, hands off the affairs of this world. Humans have gone the way they think looks right, seems right, but didn't get there. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer to what Dr. Hay wrote as the happy world tomorrow. He said it would soon be here. A thousand years of peace and prosperity are just around the corner. He says in Micah, the fourth chapter, a graphic description is given concerning the soon coming utopia. So why don't we go to Micah chapter 4? And I'll start with verse 1. Micah 4, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and peoples shall flow into it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. He shall show us walking his paths. But that's not what we see now. They're like, we don't want to hear about your God. We're going to do it a different way. We all are going to get together in this interfaith ecumenical Babylon system. Anyway, continuing here. For out of Zion shall the law go forth. Yes, they're going to know the law of God. In the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke the strong nations far off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone shall sit under his own vine and, and under his or her own fig tree. 
and no one shall make them afraid. And no one shall make them afraid. Did I say, and no one shall make them afraid? Well, it says, and no one shall make them afraid. This past year, we've seen massive fear all over the planet. And why will no one make them afraid? For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Humans are going to do better during this time. Animals are going to do better during this time. Plants are going to do better during this time. And if you go to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 19, so into the New Testament, we see that the whole creation is going to be doing better. Romans 8, starting in verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility or vanity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The glorious liberty of the children of God that the Apostle Paul is talking about happens at the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. Now I'm going back to some stuff from uh, the uh, old uh, uh, Worldwide Church of God. S section that I got here was from a book, and it's uh, The Perfect Government. Yes, Jesus Christ is going to soon return to rule this earth, and he's going to rule all the nations. But he's not going to just do it by himself, all alone. He's coming to set up a world government It'll be a highly organized government. There are going to be many positions of authority. It's going to be the government of God. It's not human government. Humans don't acknowledge it now, and when Jesus returns, they're going to fight against it for a time. But humans have basically demonstrated, after 6,000 years, that they can't produce the type of utopia that most long for. People will see how inefficient it's been, wasteful, hurtful, bungling, disastrous. And I want to go to Isaiah 59, verse 4. Now, this particular passage is going to be read from the Old King James Version of the Bible. It says, humans... Uh, have God's got this, God, God says this to government officials today. And again, I, I tie this all into what they're doing is like the Tower of Babel. Anyway, Isaiah 49, verse 4. It says, None calls for justice, nor pleads for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief, and they bring forth iniquity. Their feet run to do evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known. There's no judgment in their goings. They've made them crooked paths. Whoever goes therein will not know peace. And yes, I read this from the New King James before. But this part is trying to say this is how world leaders have been. And it says, this article says, or book says, Then the people under this human misgovernment say, quote, Therefore, is judgment far from us? This is in Isaiah 59. Neither does justice overtake us. 
We wait for light. They wait for a solution. But behold, obscurity. We wait for brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noon day as at night. We were desolate like uh, dead men. You know, you've got a situation now where you've got places that don't want you to see certain scriptures of the Bible. They don't want the truth because it contradicts certain narratives. We're going to see more and more restrictions. Anyway, later in this chapter, for telling a soon coming time, a final solution is given. Verse 20. And a Redeemer shall come to Zion. Now over in Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Eternal has risen upon you. The only hope of justice, of peace, of truth, of right solutions to all the world's problems is coming in the power and glory of Jesus to set up God's government, right government. In this, these passages in Isaiah and other places, God's chosen his word. Basically, humans are utterly capable, incapable to govern themselves correctly. We're getting closer and closer to the end of this world, solutions. But they still think that, oh, they've got a new plan. They make it better this time with their reset and that type of thing. Back in the 40s, Herbert Armstrong attended a conference of the United Nations. And they say it was uh, the world's last real hope for peace. And of course, it has not brought uh, peace. Speaking of Herbert Armstrong, some things he wrote by the way, was government was planned from the beginning. He says, this is a wonderful truth. There's not going to be, he says, any incompetent or selfish, ambitious politicians uh, seeking to get their own way. It's always interesting to me how these poor public servants end up with millionaires or multimillionaires uh, when supposedly they're, they're, uh, they're underpaid and uh, public servants. Today, he, uh, Herbert Armstrong wrote, people are asked to vote into office people they don't know much about. People's qualifications are largely misrepresented. He says, in the, sum, in the coming, soon coming kingdom of God, the government of God, every official placement authority will have been tried and tested, trained, experienced, and qualified based on God's qualifications. And that's a major part of the plan. And one of the things, if you're called and uh, accepted God's calling in this age, that you will be part of. Anyway, Herbert Armstrong says, uh, now a major part of this plan began with Abraham. So back in Abraham's day, he was the guy. He was the one who uh, had the right type of character, one who listened to God, and would obey God, and, uh, and God's laws. Then God said to Abram, before he was called Abraham, get out of your country, go from your father's house into some place I'm sending you. Now, he had him go from civilization out kind of to the wilderness. Now, if you live in the city, if you live in cities all your life, how do you think you might be actually out in the wilderness? Now, I know some people think out in the wilderness, oh, it's just great, I can camp outside, the air's all clean. Uh-huh, there's snakes in the wilderness, bugs. Uh, no air conditioning, by the way, they had air conditioning in Abraham's day. Uh, he was a rich guy, so he goes from 
a place where his money is useful for something, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And the weather is bad over there at certain times of the year. But anyway, going back to what her Armstrong said about this, there wasn't any argument. Abraham didn't say, why? I don't want to do this. Hey, man, you know, anyway, it's really better here. Look, I'm close to my family. And look, I can buy, there's stores and stuff, you know. And they bring food in for other kinds of places. No. The Bible says, Abraham believed God. It was God that was righteous and left. And uh, uh, Robert Song writes, Abraham was called the father humanly of the faithful in Galatians 3, 7. And to the uh, Gentiles of Galatia in Galatians 3, 29, it says the Apostle Paul wrote, If you be of Christ, then you are the new Gentiles are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. Then in verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed, being, being Christ, the promises were made. So Armstrong wrote, God was starting to prepare his kingdom of, of, of positions in the government, starting with Abraham. But I think he overlooked some things. Obviously, he also would include uh, 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 Abel, Noah, uh, Enoch, and there's a bunch of others. But from a, a human government standpoint, uh, Herbert Armstrong focused beginning with, uh, with Abraham. In God's coming kingdom, church and state will be united. There'll be one government, one government, all over all the nations. Now that doesn't mean there won't be some differences in how people act. Okay, you can act different and still obey God's laws. Uh, my wife and I have been to uh, dozens of countries, different cultures, and you can interact with people, and they can interact with you, and uh, uh, still be different and still keep God's laws. We've seen church people and. Most of the continents, maybe all the continents, inhabit continents. Uh, and so there are still some cultural differences. And that's fine. That, that, would be, that would be fine. But by keeping God's laws, everyone will be safe. People will be productive. You know, one thing that, uh, as far as productivity goes, one thing that happens with tax money is they build militaries. We're not going to need militaries. That money could be used for something else. And actually, I figured out before that um, if people would obey God's laws, you'd be surprised how little it, humans would actually have to work for everybody to be wealthier than they are now if we didn't have to deal with corruption and wars. Uh, I did a lot of uh, study into economics in my younger days, and I got classes in colleges and universities and, and such. And I've looked at costs of mismanagement and some other things with society. And the resources on this earth are enough for people to be wealthy. See, one of the things they tell you now is what you have to do is there's only so much wealth, we have to divide it up amongst the people there because we can't produce any more of it without overly polluting the planet. That's not true. If people would do things according to God's ways and, and would be more for cooperation and less competition and less of the way of get and more of the way of give, things would be better now. But sadly, we're moving more and more away from that. 
Oh, well, oh yeah, we're going to give lip service to cooperation. Um, but uh, um, there's a, a, a one who's going to rise up, the Bible warns about, called the beast. He's going to speak words of peace. He's going to come in peaceably, then destroy places like the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh, the Arab countries, uh, some other, other lands. The Bible says that uh, he would be a successful warrior, that he's going to come in claiming peace and bring in this, this utopia that he's not going to bring in. And as far as uh, going back to some things the old worldwide church got taught, they taught that uh, three men, uh, the apostles Peter, James, and John, among the 12 disciples, they were able to see the kingdom of God in a vision in Matthew 17, verse 9. This vision, Jesus was there uh, in person. Being, he became transfigured, appearing as a glorified Christ. His face became bright, shining like the sun. His clothing was white like light. Two others appeared with him in this vision, a glimpse into the coming kingdom, and they were uh, Moses and Elijah. And these two uh, represented the offices of church and state uh, with and under Christ, and it will be so in God's kingdom. Moses and Elijah qualified in their human lifetime for very high positions in the kingdom of God. Moses was the one uh, through whom Christ uh, gave uh, uh, laws and statutes in the government for the uh, nation of Israel. And of course Moses was trained as a son of Pharaoh and uh, king of Egypt. And so he had experience, by the way, of being a Gentile leader and ruler, as well as uh, one of the children of Israel. And Herbert Armstrong wrote that Elijah, above all others, was represented in Scripture as the prophet who restored the worship of the true God and obedience to his commandments. When Elijah ordered King Ahab to gather on Mount Carmel all Israel, as it talks about in uh, 1 Kings 18, uh, 19 through 21, prophets of Baal and uh, uh, Azariah or Ishtar, he said, this is from uh, uh, 1 Kings 18, how long halt you between two opinions? If the eternal be God, follow him, him but if Baal, then follow him. I want to go off my notes here for a moment. There's either God or there isn't. If there's not, don't mess around with any of this stuff. There's no point. If there is, you should be serious about it. Not, yeah, one of these days, yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah, King God's going to come, that's good. Okay, I'll get my life in order later. No, there is a God or there's not. If there is, you should be serious about it. And God does have a plan. You should believe God's plan. Because God's plan is better for you. Don't try to convince yourself that God's plan is not better for you, because it is. You who have not lived more than 120 years, because I'm pretty sure that right now that's, nobody's on the planet any older than that. And even if there is, it wouldn't be a year or two older than that. Compared to God who's lived in eternity, and you who've only got a limited amount you can see in here, and a lot of what you see in here and you think is right, it's not even right. You need to be serious about God's plan. Back then, people weren't sure. Is, is God the real God or is Baal the real God? No, Baal's not the real God. Okay, I'll tell you that one right now. Save you that step. But there either is a God or there isn't. If, if God's a God, follow Him. And 
Elijah stood up for God and his ways. There's other information in Scripture that gives us reasons to think that people like uh, Isaac and Jacob will have various positions in the kingdom of God. God has a plan for everybody, including you. Repeatedly, Jesus said he was going to return to the earth. And in uh, John 14, verse 3, Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place or position, or an office or habitation for you, I'm going to come again and will and receive you uh, unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And we find passages such as uh, Zechariah 14 and 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, 16, 17, Jesus is going to come from come the clouds. He's going to come into power and glory with the Almighty God. He's going to rule the nations. He will put an end to the false claim totalitarian utopia that people are going to try to do. The Bible says that uh, in uh, Revelation 3, excuse me, 2.26, I'm sorry, Revelation 2.26, Jesus said, And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, him I will give power over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. In Revelation 3, verse 21, seems so pretty close to that. Jesus said, To him who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me in my throne, which will be on this earth. Now, some of the Greco Roman Protestants don't think it's on this earth, but in Revelation 5, verse 10, we read, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, when are we going to do that? Okay? After earth is gone, there's a time. In Revelation 20, in a vision, John said, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. I mentioned before, humanity is going to get to the point of utter destruction of this planet. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 24. You might want to go there. I'm going to start with verse 21. For then there shall be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh shall be saved, but for the Latin sake, those days will be shortened. So we see that even though humanity is talking about some type of a reset or bringing a utopia, they're going to get the planet to the point that Jesus didn't return. No flesh should be saved. I've alluded to this before, but if you want to go to Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 15, we see some things that are going to happen. With the sounding of the seventh angel. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I want to read verse 16 on. Word here. They've got 24 elders. They sat before God in their throne. They fell on their faces and they worshiped God. And they said, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, was, was to come. And by the way, notice that God is almighty. You're not almighty, but God is. 
the Pope is not, the United Nations is not almighty, the President of the United States is not almighty, the Presidents of the European Union groups they have, you have two presidents, so they're not almighty either. It says, you've taken your great power and you've reigned. Verse 18. Now notice this. And the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time of the dead that they should be judged. You shall reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and shall destroy those who destroy the earth. These people who are going to claim to be saving the earth, some of their climate proposals, the Pope's... Uh, uh, Laudato C encyclical. He's got a couple other ones along those lines. That's not going to do it. Instead, God will use you to help restore this planet during and turn it into a utopia. You don't have to go there. We're going to read Isaiah 58 verse 12. So, understand this prophecy from Isaiah. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house oh I'm sorry I skipped skipped over that Isaiah 58 12 those from among you shall build the old waste places you shall raise the foundations of many generations you shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in so that's your role one part of your role will be to restore this planet. Turn it into the type of utopia it's supposed to be. And I'm sorry I skipped over to Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, I had a gap in my notes where I probably should have it that way. Anyway, Isaiah 2 starting in verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the earth, the hills. And all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say... Come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He shall teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. You are one who should be able to teach these ways to these people. From out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning, pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. That's similar to what we read in Micah, verses uh, chapter 4, 1 through 4. Having no more war is a very, very big deal. And I mentioned of us being teachers. Isaiah talks about that as well. Isaiah chapter 30. And I'm going to cut in the middle of verse 20 of Isaiah 30. Yet your teachers will not be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whatever your hand, whenever you turn, your, turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, there will be tutors, mentors, resurrected saints who will be teaching. And hopefully you will be one of those resurrected saints and will be teaching. This utopia is coming. We're going to have pure water. I'm currently drinking bottled water. I tried the local tap water. Figured I don't drink too much of it. 
uh, someone warned me against it, so you really didn't like it, and I drank it. And I definitely got a taste that I wasn't used to. <laughs> uh, so in the Western world, now you see a lot of purified water in lots of places. Um, it shouldn't be necessary. We've got growing deserts because of uh, various ways few people are living. And with these growing deserts, this means less and less greenery. It causes more deserts because of how it affects the climate. They don't seem to talk about that with some of this climate change stuff, but uh, that is a factor. Oh, they do cut, talk about cutting down some trees. That's, that's a factor. But things will be green, things will be good. There's a lot of minerals in the ocean. A lot of those can be used to fertilize, to help our plants be healthier. Um, I took uh, a lot of I took ag in high school, and one of the things I learned was that uh, the type of commercial fertilizer they put on crops only contains it's called NPK. That stands for nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and that's what plants need. You happen to need a bunch of other minerals, by the way, but for modern farming, uh, they don't bother to put them in almost never. But you need them. <laughs> And this is one of the reasons why we see some, some health issues, but as in the future, we'll uh, recycle uh, waste, both human and animal waste, but also we've got the, the mountains are going to be flattened, the mountains are full of minerals, and our food will be healthier, and our air will be healthier, air will be cleaner, we'll, we will be healthier. Now I've had people say, well, you're, you've, been, you've been involved in natural health, there'll be lots of natural health people like you in the future, and perhaps there will be. But I'm hoping there'll be less and less of a need for them as people learn to live the right way. Because this is going to come. There will be a true uh, utopia. Sadly, at the beginning, though, God is going to have to force people to accept his ways. They're going to think, oh no, they, their, their religion is right, their ways are right. But as, as the planet is more and more destroyed, they'll see. Plus, God's not going to give them a choice. Now, they can choose to be, be willing or unwilling, but during the millennium, they're not going to have a choice to, to be bad. If they want to be bad, uh, if they don't want to accept God's ways, uh, God will deal with them later. But they're not going to be allowed to, to bother you. As a matter of fact, I remember one time, an old spokesman was called the old Worldwide Church of God, uh, we said, you know, people aren't going to be able to hurt other people and such. And someone's like, well, well, you're affecting somebody's right. I said, no. Your right to move your, uh, your arm and your fist, stop before it hits my face. My right not to get hit exceeds your right to hit. My right not to be stolen from exceeds your choice to steal. People act like those are rights. But those are rights. Women should be able to walk without being molested. They should have a right. Not just get lucky because they happen to go to a safe neighborhood at the right time, or whatever. A real utopia is coming, but it's not going to be from Klaus Schwab's Great Reset, or one that uh, John Kerry says Joe Biden's going to do, or the European Union's going to do, or the United Nations is going to do, or Pope Francis. There is truly coming a utopia. It's got to do with the kingdom of God. And that's good news. Again, this book or any other book, or this particular booklet and other books we have are available at the ccug.org website, www.ccug.org.
ccmg.org website. God's utopia is coming. It will work. Humans are not going to work. Don't put your hope in something that's going to fail. Put your hope in God and the king, coming kingdom of God. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.